I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to have a really fun guest on today's episode of Beauty Bosses. I have Steph Dag, aka Stephanie D'Agostini, New York City's own favorite writer, comedian, content creator, TikTok personality, and mm-hmm. media maven. Wow. Is that, you. what do you think? Media that, Maven? I've never I know, I've that made that before. up on the spot. I know, I'm not fighting it. I'm not fighting it. <laughs> I know, I thought it was good because it had alliteration. Totally. That's going to be my good. LinkedIn right after this. Okay. Yeah. No one's ever said that before. First for everything. Yeah. yeah. Not the last. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my podcast. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I'm really happy to have you. So... One of my favorite things about you, Steph, is that you make really funny TikToks. And before we met in person, I actually had seen one of your really funny TikToks. I really liked it because you were asking some very salient questions. Mm-hmm. You were asking the men of New York City important questions about anatomy and as you know mm-hmm. anatomy is everything I love anatomy it's one of my best subjects in school mm-hmm. medical school um I got an A <laughs> and you're tell it tell us about this uh yeah so I started this project where um I started interviewing men about anatomy and would cut it together and they started blowing up on TikTok because... What kind What kind of... Like, tell us more. Uh, well, it was about... It was about vaginas, vulvas, the whole the whole thing. Uh, and I know you'll correct me because I will use them interchangeably and incorrectly, which is what the men do and I make fun of them for. So I'm my own red flag here. But um, the genesis of this project was like three years ago, my boyfriend asked me if I could pee with a tampon in. And he actually owned a sex toy company, so that was very scary that he didn't know that. Uh, And I, like, made him this, like, short film video as a response. That blew up online. And then I was like, I'm going to keep going with this. So I started interviewing men about uh, female genitalia. Yeah. And what was the verdict? Were they surprisingly informed, uninformed? No, God, no. They didn't know anything. (laughs) And, like, there is an epidemic in this country that men do not know that you can pee with a tampon in. It's astounding to me. Yeah. How many tampons do they think we run through in a day? Yeah. I I saw that TikTok, actually. It was served to me randomly, and um, I thought it was quite amusing. Um, You also have this really funny show on overheard New York, which incidentally is quite a hilarious phenomenon because, you know, I always feel a little bit guilty when I'm overhearing people's conversations, but there Mm -hmm. is, it's a guilty pleasure type of moment. Why why do you think it's, why do you think it's enjoyable to overhear conversations? I mean, because I think it's a reminder that we're all the same. Like, when I overhear people's conversations, like, when I overhear two girls talking on the subway, I'm like, that's exactly what me and my friend talk about, and we're, you guys are saying it the same way, and it's like, oh, we're all the same, and it's, like, very humanizing, I think. Yeah. And what do you do at Overheard New York? 
so I'm their uh, senior editor, and I do everything from develop new show ideas for them and uh, work on merch and kind of just develop their brand from a creative perspective. Podcasts, I host comedy shows for them. And the biggest thing right now is I host a show called Hot and Single. It's a show where I go out on the streets and talk to the single people of New York City. Uh, they're all struggling. Uh, talk about we're all the same. The dating here is a disaster. And I talk to them and hopefully try to set them up with someone online. And that's been growing pretty quickly. And it's like the pride and joy of my life right now. It's so much fun. Are the overheard things real? Like, yes. are you really... So is there like a chief hearing officer? Where, <laughs> how is there like a, a listening in person? What, what is the mechanism for sourcing the overheard yeah, they're, anecdotes? They're, um, they're all submitted. They're all fully submitted. We have such a strong audience that's engaged and loves us. And they just send us, you know, hundreds of quotes a day and we parse through them. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so it's just crowd, it's crowdsourced. Yeah, you could submit anything you hear. Oh, wow. You can literally text it to me. I'll give you my direct line. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It feels like an abuse of power. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very special. It's like people always are like, where do the quotes come from? They're from the people. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Do you ever read a quote that feels like too much or that feels different from others or that kind of stops you in your tracks? Um... Well, there's some that are so wild that you're like, this feels, this sounds like it would be a line in a movie because it's so like perfect. It so hits the nail on the head in terms of a local reference or a wild story or whatever. Um, But I I specifically am not really going through the quotes. That's not my job. But yeah, they're such good quotes. It's like, it's astounding when you learn that they're real and, and, you know, there's so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It kind of hits... It hits the uh, the zeitgeist. Yeah, it, like it really like captures the spirit of a certain yeah. location. And people get so excited when their quote appears on the page. <laughs> like they, they're like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I made it to over in New York." It's funny. It's like this weird bulletin, community bulletin board, I guess. The, and they, you never give credit though to people, so that's also fun because yeah. it's fully because anonymous. it's anonymous. Yeah, yeah anonymous. I love that. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, I like your comedy bits because they have a very deadpan quality to them. Mm. Who are some of your big influences in comedy and how did you get started in comedy? Yeah, so I got started in comedy from a dare. I wanted to be like a really serious actor. I didn't, I was like, comedy is like second class to drama and I didn't want to do comedy, but I was the class clown my whole life. Um, And then when I studied abroad, my program dared me to do like a roast of the program on the last day. So I got up, I did the roast. I was really good at it. I was like, wow, I'm really good at being mean. Like, this is crazy. (laughs) And and it went really well. I was so nervous, though. I fully threw up right before I went on. I was so nervous. Uh, And then I got back to New York and I started doing open mics like every day and shows every week. And it just kind of snowballed from there and in terms of my influences uh it's I'm not someone who really like has people I really like look up to it's a weird thing but I do really like Jerry Seinfeld who's not deadpan so that's funny um I really like Rory Scovel who's more of like an alt comedian uh I really like Nathan Fielder who 
has a show Nathan for you, very deadpan and like weird and making people uncomfortable. Even Borat is an inspiration to me. Like just the very like interacting with real people thing is has always been fascinating to me. I think that's really cool. Do you think that comedy is something that you're born with or do you think it's something that can be cultivated over time? Mm. Um, both. Yeah, both. I think because I've become a better comedian over the years. It's like a work ethic like anything else. And you, the more comedy you absorb, the better you get. You learn that there is a structure to jokes and almost like a formulaic approach. And you can write a misdirection. One type of joke is a misdirection. Another type of joke is a story. And you kind of find your ground in it. Um, I think there's some people who definitely have a very natural talent. And I know some comedians who far surpass me in their natural talent in like they can just get up and riff and just go off and it's like magic. And I think I am more of like a joke writer and I can uh, deliver jokes, but some people have something else going on that's very magical. So I think it depends, but I think like if you want to be a comedian, you can figure out a way to do it. And because there's not just one type of comedian, you can really be whatever, you know. Did you study anything to help you understand structures of comedy? Yeah, so I went to I went to a weird I went to NYU, but I went to a school at NYU where you create your own major. And my my major was called awareness and troublemaking, which makes no sense. But uh, in that major I studied satire and like SNL and would like watch uh, stand up and write scripts and stuff. So that helped a bit. And then when I graduated, I did improv and sketch and all that stuff. But I think the only if for stand-up comedy, the only way to learn is to get up on stage and humiliate yourself over and over again. It's it's fully a work ethic. What do you do when you're on stage and like it's just bombing, like one <laughs> joke after another, and nobody is laughing at your jokes? Well, there's a few approaches you can take. There's the be combative at the audience which I do not take but a lot of comedians do which is like a that was a good joke you guys don't get it like they get mad at the audience that's always deeply uncomfortable for me um I usually just machine gun through my jokes I just keep going pretend like I'm not bombing I just ignore the fact that no one's laughing uh or you pivot to crowd work you're like all right my jokes aren't working why don't I just talk to the audience like how much worse could this get why don't I just have fun with it you know yeah, that's very stressful. It's oh very stressful. God. I still get nervous. Uh, I'm feeling nervous for you. Yeah. Thinking about it. Oh my god. Yeah. And you still? How do you still do this? Do you still get up there and just like put yourself through it? Yeah, I do. I. Oh I'm, my god. Yeah. I do. Oh, bless you. That yeah. is. Oh. You're literally a surgeon. <laughs> that seems so uncomfortable, though. <laughs> well. I, I love knowing. Scabble, so. I love knowing exactly how things are going to turn out, and I feel like that's an element of unpredictability that is right, right, difficult. Mm-hmm. That's true, but I will never um, be in an operating room, so that's where we differ. Yeah. So we won't ever have to trade places. Yeah. Okay, it's a deal. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. And how how do you feel like social media has changed the game in comedy? Do you feel like it has opened up the world and made comedy a little bit more democratic for people? Or do you think that it's making it less structured and there are more unfunny people out there who are just sort of like nipping at your heels? Again, both. Like I think for my career, social media has been so helpful. Like 
has been everything because I think if you have a style that's different or more alternative, like social media is a great way to put yourself out there. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of unfunny people, but I think everyone gets, those people will get weeded out anyway. There's just sort of a natural selection process in comedy, I think. What was your kind of first big break that allowed you to get noticed and get known? Probably uh, those interviews that you saw on TikTok. I think that kind of put me on the map as like someone who is not afraid to talk about sex and to make it funny and put and be in uncomfortable situations and have those conversations. I think that gave me a lane to go off of, whereas before I had tried a bunch of different things and it really seemed like sex and dating were things people really were really responding to and liked talking to me about. I'm good at talking about them with people. Um, and then it sort of snowballed from there. Was that the first time you went viral on TikTok? Yeah, that was the first time it happened. Oh, wow. You'll, it'll never feel as good as that first time, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it was like, I was like, wow, my life's going to change tomorrow. And then it was exactly the same for two years. Uh, but it felt really good. And what were your other big viral moments? My other big viral moments. Uh, a few months ago, I got ghosted by a guy and I created like a ghosting exit survey and I emailed it to him and I posted about it online. And that got picked up by like a hundred publications and like here in the UK, in Bosnia, in Italy, like, I don't know why it blew up. And then it became this whole like ghosting movement on TikTok that I started, like anti-ghosting movement. Uh, that blew up. Uh, I did like, I also did like a wedding date application. I was looking for a wedding date and I like basically like took submissions and uh, <laughs> that kind of went viral and I got a lot of really funny, weird submissions. Uh, so it's like, I don't know. I, I I've gone viral mostly for like sex and dating stuff. Is that something that you like want to focus on in your comedy career? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be boxed into anything, but like it's funny because if you listen to my stand up, I actually have really no jokes about sex, even. Like my jokes are pretty dark and I'm very monotone, as you said, and the delivery is very like one toned. Um, so there's a bit of a disconnect, but I like that because I like to shock people with what I'm going to do next. And right now, sex is a big thing I'm focusing on, but I don't know, maybe in a few years, food will be the thing I'm focusing on. Like, I definitely, I get bored easily. So I don't, you know, maybe I'll go to medical school. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, maybe I'll Fear take up stand-up comedy. There you go, there you go. You never know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a good monotone, too. Yeah. You are good at being monotone. That was one of the first things I noticed about you. i got to save my energy. All those vocal inflections, yeah, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I met you and I was like, wait, she talks like me. <laughs> We're the same. <laughs> What's going to happen next? Yeah. And then I was like, wait, is she joking with me? Is she not joking with me? And I liked figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. Um. Great. Well, I am really excited. I don't know if you're able to talk about this, but we were talking offline about some of your upcoming projects. Mm -hmm. And um, can you share a little bit with um, everyone about what what some of your big things that you're working on are? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can talk a little bit about it. I have been working on a 
TV show about sex education, and it is inspired by those videos I used to make, which had such a big reception and people really responded to it. So I was like, I feel like this is bigger and more important. And the timing of it also with, you know, things happening in politics and sex education is just has constantly been something that has been so deeply underfunded and misunderstood. So I started this TV show. Um, we filmed a, a essentially an example pilot for it, which is how I met you. Um, I came in and we did a consultation and uh and hopefully, and which I learned about your love of the MacBook Air. You learned about I and, little, and little women, yes, and millennial pink. Yes, yes. I uh, we did <laughs> we did a labiaplasty consultation. So I was fully the first time we met. I was fully naked, and that's a really vulnerable way to meet someone. And I told you that my dream um, Volvo would look like a MacBook Air, which I still think I still think that makes sense to me. I think right. it. I see it in my head. Um, and so we filmed that. That's how we met. And uh, yeah, hopefully that'll be like a TV show soon. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone's interested. <laughs> well, I am so excited that um, that, that may happen and yeah. I can't wait to check it out. Yeah. Um, where can everybody keep up with you and watch your funny TikToks and follow you on Instagram and, yes. and all of that stuff? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Steph Dags, so that's S-T-E-F-D-A-G-Z, and then complicated, my TikTok handle is just Steph Dags, so S-T-E-F-D-A-G, and um, yeah, I'm always on there 24-7, I'm never not on my phone, so if you DM me, I will respond. Well, thank you so much. This has been so yeah, fun. And I can't wait to see who you interview next. Thank you. Thank you. Love you.